I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. Today, we are visiting with Denver-based designer Nadia Watts, a creative with a very strong collaborative spirit. What does that mean? Well, it's an idea that is uniquely different based on the individual's perspective. In Nadia's case, collaboration is an idea inextricably tied to her work. You're going to hear about that as well as an exploration into her work and how she uses elements of her design to bounce off other parts to add depth and detail to the work itself. Really interesting, very cool, and I hope you enjoy this conversation by design with Nadia Watts. We'll be right back. I am incredibly proud of Convo by Design in year 10, and I'm equally proud of my partnership with Thermosol. They've been presenting partners of Convo by Design for three years now, and there is a certain amount of pride that comes with saying that the show is presented by the company that is the best in the world at what they do. Thermosol engineers the most exceptional smart shower products and steam shower systems worldwide for a few reasons. They were the first company to design patent the technology here in the U.S. dating back to 1958. Thermosol, a U.S. brand, a U.S. manufacturer in Round Rock, Texas, employs an engineering team that designs, tests, and continuously refines the product. Their quality control team tests every single steam generator before it departs the factory. Who else does that? Nobody. I have had the pleasure of working with some world-class designers and architects who tell me And you probably know this, that the idea of luxury has changed and continues to change, especially when clients want a spa-like bathroom. Steam is mandatory. Or it's just not considered a a, a luxury space. And if you want to add steam, you have one true option. It's Thermosol. And now, Thermosol, the industry leader in steam, bath equipment, and technology since 1958, is enhancing their already stellar family of products with new indoor and outdoor luxury saunas. Available in three design configurations, each sauna is handcrafted from clear western red cedar or Nordic spruce inspired by the brilliance of northern european sauna technology and design. A luxury bathroom isn't luxury without steam. If you want luxury, you have one option. It's Thermosol. Check them out at thermosol.com and at thermosol on the socials. Do you like doing virtual? Do you enjoy that? Have have you gotten to the point where it's it's so normal now that you enjoy it? I think so. I think so. I'm very animated in my face and hands. So I think that's the only part is you can't really, you know, when you're in person with someone, there's a certain level of um guard that you have about facial expressions or whatnot. But when you're on the phone with someone, you're a little bit more, you know, thinking face or whatnot. So I think it's somewhere between the two where you're, you're being seen, but the physical body is not in front of you. So I don't know. I'm I've got your thinking face. <laughs> Versus my like, mm, that's not going to work. And how do I tell you that's horrible? <laughs> You know what's interesting? That's more um, for like clients, but <laughs> it's funny because that's the thing too. Like when you're sitting in front of somebody personally, it's very easy to distract. Like when somebody has a, an idea that you think is absolutely horrendous yes. and you, you can sort of, you know, pawn it off. But when you're on a box, when you're, in a, you know, you're in a box on TV, it's very, very hard to do that. <laughs> and it's more, uh, you know, with, Michelle and Katie, we do Zooms every other week. And that's the part that's funny because sometimes I'll just like think and not move. And they're like, are you frozen? I'm like, no, I'm thinking, this is my thinking phase. That's awesome. Just to go like. I'm like, they're like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, completely. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, That's hilarious. I don't know. Um, prior, prior to this. So you're, you're based in Denver, correct? I'm based in Denver. Yes. I think it's really interesting to talk to designers. You know, it's funny because you want to, you want to be like through COVID and not talk about pandemic anymore, but I'm finding that right now it's even more important. We're actually in the phase right now. We're going back and talking about all the things that we learned is really Mm -hmm. important because we're at this phase right now, which is really interesting. And I'm curious if you're finding the same thing that all the things that we learned during COVID we're starting to forget and get back to other ways of doing it because everything is, is wide open again. 
Um, and I'm wondering if that's not doing a disservice to all of the time, energy, effort spent to learning all of these new skills. Mm-hmm. And how, how has that changed your practice? And are you finding that the same where you are? Because as I, Denver wasn't a big lockdown city, were you? Um, we were, our, um, I'm in Denver, you know, Denver proper, you know, the city of Denver. And um, we were at times the, you know, you drive 20 minutes and it wasn't so, you know, county-based. Um, but we are, are, um, you know, officials were very strict in the beginning. So playgrounds were closed, um, like taped off, like you couldn't get in. Um, and people, you know, people are used to being outside here. They were advising, um, people not draw, you know, people in Denver, not go to the mountains and, you know, be in those smaller areas. Um, well, so so it was kind of like an in-between I actually was working on all construction projects uh, and with clients that were not living in the homes, but also very, you know, 65 and above and health risks. So construction kept going. The clients were not living there. Meetings became more on zoom or spaced out outside. Um, so there wasn't for me personally, there was no pause. It was, let's figure this out, keep going and family and whatnot. What are you seeing right now in Colorado from a, you know, you talk to certain, we're in this really weird time in the industry where there is recession someplace, there is still difficulty getting materials someplace, there is still cost overruns in some places, but not in others. It's a very weird, weird time. The, you know, this, this idea of recession, I think that we've been in it already for two quarters as of the recording today in in December of 2022. I also think that um, we're we're seeing this this split version of a recession where you have the luxury side of the business. I mean, you tell me, but I don't see any slowdown to the luxury side of the business, but the lower end, those who might, might have been on the verge, it's those new clients that might be on the verge of being able to hire an interior designer. Those seem to be the people who have been most affected by this so far. Are you seeing that or is it different where you are? I think you can see that. I think with my clientele base and kind of the, um, I'm not seeing it from the the clientele base that that I deal with on the luxury side Um, with, you know, the amount of projects or how quickly people move through projects has slowed down. If that, you know, um, and there's a certain, what should I say? The people that are approaching me that are still, you know, new home purchase, you know, purchasing homes, they've already been established in maybe a smaller home or new to the area and they're buying their, you know, 10 to 15 year home. Uh, So I'm still seeing those larger home purchases and then to furnish. but I think, you know, in general, people are taking more time to, you know, to implement. I think during the pandemic, you know, people were go, 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 go in things like purchasing because of, because of the fear of things. Every, you know, every aspect of life is, was, is, was fear. Now we've kind of slowed down in many aspects. It's not just, you know, part of the recession or, you know, economy, it's other, you know, okay, we can take a deep breath. We don't have to do a mask here. The kids are in school. You know, we're still, everyone's still learning how to be again. 
in a different way. Yeah, well, it's interesting. And I think someone like you is probably probably best prepared for something like this. And it's interesting because I'm I'm curious what your take is now. Here we are in, you know, 2022, coming off three years of you know, really challenging times. There is a whole group of creatives like you who started their own journey, their own creative journey out of the ashes of the great recession in, you know, 07, 08. So you, you basically came out and started your firm in 09. Yeah. So, you know, you, you kind of lived through watching what was happening in this, there's a housing crisis and a cash you know, shortage and this bubble that burst. And now you had to be thinking at the time, I don't mean to speak for you, but you had to be thinking, oh my gosh, what did I do? Why don't I just go work at a bank? <laughs> but no, I've, you know, how did that, how does that, how do you think about it now in contrast to how you thought about it then? <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I had, I'd been in New York from, 05 to 07. I moved to Denver in 07. I worked for, you know, the high-end residential designer in the area and then went off on my own in, in 2009. And I knew I wanted to have my own business before I went to college. I knew I wanted to do design and have my own residential firm when I was 21. And in 09, you know, 08 fall nine, I said to myself, well, no one's hiring. No one's going to hire. Let's, let's move beyond that. Let's not even like approach, you know, I'm, I'm efficient. I like to get to the point. So it's time to start the business. I knew I wanted to have a family at some point. I knew that this is not the ideal time in 2009, but we're going to, we're going to start. And it, I, I did have a little pushback here or there from mentors and whatnot, but at the same time, I had a, a few people in my life, you know, my father and mother and a, a client mentor say, go, you know, do it. You, you know what you're doing. So I, I don't look back on that time today thinking I should have done this or I should have done that. I, I think back on that as, wow, look, look what you did then, you can do it. So any doubt I ever have in my mind currently at, at, you know, at any point, it's more of you did that and you pushed through, you know, a few people that were questioning, you know, what I might need more of to where, you know, to 14 years later. Um, so I think with the pandemic, I, it was more of me thinking about where I see myself later, like in the future and what fulfills me? I was very strict about my business when I started it and my goals. I set, you know, I was, I was very rigid in my mind about it. And then in, let's say, you know, 2016, 2017, I said, you know, I've, I've, given my clients what they want. I've listened, I've listened to them. I've, I've, um, I've made them happy. What is going to creatively fill my mind? You know, I've, I've always been some sort of artist. My mother was an art teacher. You know, you're supposed to draw outside the lines. You're supposed to look at things in an objective way, going to museums my whole life. You know, art is a huge foundation for me. And I love interior design and I love helping people figure out what they need and showing it to them, you know, in the, in the final room. 
but what what in in my head is going to fulfill me so i think that what the recent years have done is slow me down a little bit and be less rigid <laughs> and um and lean in a little bit more to the potential opportunities out there. I There's a lot of times that things happen where, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is happening now. And, you know, living in the moment thinking, oh, you know, over the past five years with Kravit and this fabric line and what it took to get here and that process and look at look at where it is today what is the potential for tomorrow and a year from now and two years from now and i think that that um it's it's given me a, a deep breath and a it's fulfilled that creative piece of me and i'm more joyful about life and and creation. I'm starting to more recently think of myself more as an artist. You know, when, when someone says, you know, hi, who are you? Nadia Watts, I'm a designer. It's, you know, it's my soul. And now I'm, now I'm rethinking my, you know, title per se. Uh, so I don't, did I answer the question? I went off. I tend to do that. No, I love that. And, and it got me, it got me thinking about a couple of things because I think the idea of title is so, is so important. Um, it really is insofar as how, how we self-identify, mm -hmm. how we, and the reason why, and I don't mean to get too far down the philosophical road here, but I think it's important. And I, and I don't think creatives, I've given the title of creative to designers, architects, artists, makers a long time ago, because I think having that, having that category is a differentiator. There are, and, and, you know, here's an example. I, I think that there are, and there's nothing wrong with this, but there are designers who work for say an Ethan Allen and they do a great job at what they do, but they're designers for one line. It doesn't mean that they're not creatives necessarily because they're creating a, a, a space, but they're using one line to create that space. I think the idea of a multidisciplinary creative is someone who, and, we, and I wanna dive deeper a little into art because art to me is kind of like this X factor in, design and architecture, you were recognized by the ICAA. Um, many, many creatives that I've spoken to, some stay away from art because it can blow a budget. It can completely change a project, an entire project. It can, it can ruin families and destroy cities and, and it can, it can be terrible. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> the way I feel about art, I love art. And it's one of the things I wanted to talk to you. I'm looking at your Rocky Mountain residence and I'm looking at this dining room, which is a, you know, it, it is a traditional space. You have modern spaces, ultra colorful. This particular residence is, is there's some monochromatic stuff I want to talk to you about, but I'm looking at this dining room and I'm looking at this large format piece and you're not afraid to use art to not only, not just finish a space, but to actually define it. And mm -hmm. I'm curious when that started for you, how you view art, um, how you navigate all of the pitfalls that surround it, the costs, the he hates it, she loves it, it's too <laughs> feminine, it's not masculine enough. Oh, I love art. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You are listening to my conversation with designer Nadia Watts. We'll be right back. We are living at a time of incredible growth, both technologically and creatively, with respect to interior design, exterior design, and architecture. There is no question. There are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made. One of those companies, and one of my favorites, is Moya Living. 
designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful, incredibly durable, and highly functional kitchen, bath, and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today. Powder-coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors to fit any design style or aesthetic. A history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community. So you know it's been tested in some of the truly the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living, their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom in Fountain Valley, California. The Institute of Classical Architecture and Art Southern California chapter is a forum for professionals in the industry and enthusiasts to come together, share their love, and show their commitment to the timeless principles of beauty, proportion, and observation that are embodied in classicism. Their members include renowned architects, designers, landscape architects, builders, students, artists, and creatives from every walk of life. It's a wonderful organization designed to celebrate the unique regional identity of Southern California and help develop the careers of the like-minded. If you're interested in joining or would like to learn more about sponsorship and support for the ICAA Southern California chapter, please email me, convobydesign at outlook.com. I grew up outside of DC in Alexandria, Virginia, and, you know, there's, (laughs) there's pictures of my mom, you know, eight months pregnant, standing in the sculpture, you know, garden at the National Gallery of Art. You know, it's, it's, it's in my blood. It's, it's, it's a part of me before I, I even arrived. And I, I was taught to look at art and homes and architecture, all of it, because it all falls under the same, the same space objectively. And, you know, going to museums every weekend and then going up to New York and visiting my grandmother and going to the, uh, the Guggenheim and the Met and the MoMA and Whitney, you know, all of those, I, the first, or, you know, we'd start with a show or a gallery and my mom would then say, which was your favorite piece? And she would say that to me as early as I could speak, which is your favorite piece. And I would say it, we'd go over to it and she'd go, why is it your favorite piece? So that like, even just describing that right now, that touches my soul. Like that is in my blood and soul. And so taking that then into design, you know, a piece of art is appealing to me immediately because of the scale, because of the interest, because of the thoughts that, that come about how it relates to you personally or someone else, how it relates to the other pieces in the room, if it's a gallery, um, how the light hits it, what's the wall color, you know, all of these pieces are, are on my mind. How is it placed in the gallery? And art is very personal for homeowners. So there's been, you know, over the years, there's different aspects of it. I normally, you know, I I have clients that come to me with large art collections that we need to pick and choose what comes into the next home. Or we create walls that they need to find a piece for, and they get to go and look at Christie's and Sotheby's and, and whatnot. So there's all different, um, there's different directions that we, I say we, you know, we as myself and the client take um, to go about that. And then I have clients that want to buy pieces 
or have a few piece in, pieces and want to add to it. And I like to listen to both, you know, if it's two people, listen to both people and, and analyze kind of what the space needs. So I think of it more about what the space needs, size, color, dimension, uh, how that room relates to the next room. What art are you seeing in the kitchen that then, you know, you would see at the same time in the hallway. So you're like sight lines. So all of those things I'm I are in my head when I'm walking a space with a client and suggesting pieces. And because it is personal and you know one one person and the you know with clients that are couples at times yeah one person might not like it but the other person does. Well you know, it's, it's both of their homes. So we have to kind of go, you know, we have to go from there. So maybe it goes in their study and the other person doesn't see it. So, you know, I, I, I respect, I really listen and respect that conversation dynamic between the couple and the client, because you, you have to, you know, that's not, I'm I'm not going to force someone to use a color on an upholstery piece if they don't like that color. The same, you know, I, I'm not going to push a piece of art that they're just steadfast about. Now, I will bring pieces over and and kind of say, oh, you know, let's try this and let maybe you keep it for a few days and let me see and we can always come and and take it back. So it's it's the conversation that I create with the client and the comfort level to then move to that next step of purchasing art. And, you know, as for pricing, there's art varies all over, you know, I've framed their children's art in a really interesting way and, and context. And and it's fabulous. So, you know, the, the budget piece is more, it is what it is. And we can find something, you know, within there, uh, and, and be, you know, be creative about that. Okay. Did I get all those? Did I, did I answer all those pieces? Let's see. Hmm. Yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> you, you did. And it's, it's really interesting because going from that project where, and there's a, there's a couple of spaces in here, a couple of bedrooms where mm-hmm. they are fairly monochromatic, where you've still incorporated a, a fair amount of art in the, in those spaces. And, you know, there's one, there's a bed and above that. And by the way, as I, as I describe these things, when we publish the, the episode, if you're following along, go, go to Nadia's website, there will be links in the show notes and you can click on the links uh, to her website to see these projects as well. So there's a, you know, you're, you're looking at what is a monochromatic space where you've uh, not completely, but you've also got the art, which is, which is muted where there's two pieces that are, that are white above the bed, which I think is really interesting. And I I wanted to ask about that in contrast to your downtown loft, which is literally jammed with art. And I don't mean that in a negative, I mean that in the, in an absolute positive manner because here's what I can tell from this from this project and you can tell me I'm completely wrong or you know there's something to it that um they love art you have art that's juxtaposed against the city with the windows it just all comes together that must have been a blast for you oh yes do you want me to elaborate (laughs) <laughs> no, we can just sit here for the next 20 minutes and look at it. I know. <laughs> it no. would be a terrible podcast episode, but we could. But, everyone, but, everyone go look, go look, go click <laughs> on the link. <laughs> no, but listen, as far as a, a, a place of, you know, for elaboration, when you go look at this, if you're following along and you do go look at this, there's a couple of things that you did that I think are really interesting. One is, you know, there is a bedroom where literally between the bed and the wall, you have two very small nightstands, small bed, you know, bedside tables. It is a very small room, yet you still found space for a couple of sculptures and two 
fairly large format pieces. Um, so against a window, which added to the balance of a very, very tiny room, but it, it opened it up and it made it so cozy and so comfortable. The rest of this loft, you, you know, what I'm, what I'm seeing is that it's not a, it's not a huge space. But even on a narrow wall between two windows overlooking the skyline, you still found a way to go floor to ceiling framed art. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the idea that the clients gave you and how you, how you framed this, how you structured it. And I also think it's interesting that it's in a city like Denver where um, you know, I'm based in Tulsa working on a design house project here. And Tulsa is not like Denver. Denver's a lot more friendly uh, between the fall and the spring areas is a little bit extra time, but summer and winter still gets incredibly hot and incredibly cold, yet you, you still have doors that completely open the entire space up. Um, there are windows everywhere. It, it's flooded with light. And I imagine that it's a, it's a remarkable space to showcase art and these clients must love it. And I imagine you were just like a kid in a candy store going to town on this thing. Mm-hmm. This is a client that I've been working with um, before I before I began. Uh, this is a client. The wife is an architect, and the husband is in development. They both are very and have been involved in historical preservation in Denver restoring buildings and, and whatnot. And this move to this loft downtown was from a home that they raised their children in, their now adult children. And we had, and I had helped them, you know, I'd worked on an addition with the previous house. So I, you know, I knew their collection and their taste inside and out. We had to pick our favorites because we couldn't have everything. And, you know, I would use the word gallery versus, you know, jam-packed just from a creative. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> you know, it... um it's about the scale, you know, uh, earlier I mentioned how, you know, the attraction to art in a museum has to do with the scale of what the piece is, but where it's placed. And I see, I see in scale, I, I draw in scale and there's also balances, you know, to that where yes, the art on this very thin wall that one would expect some reprieve or negative space, you know, we went floor to ceiling with frame pieces and it works because it continues your eye around the view and if you notice the art there, you notice it. And if you don't, well, then you're not meant to notice it. But it's it's more of a it's a comfort thing as well, where you're balancing, you're balancing with scale. In the bedroom with the very skinny tables um, and the bed and the large large piece above it, uh, some some would be completely afraid to do that. This client was not afraid of suggestion or let's try it. And th though those type of people can be rare in this industry because people want, you know, people want to have order or, uh, they want to have order. They want to have, they want to be in a box. Sometimes they want it to be how it is and never touch it again, where, you know, the, the way you live and the comfort and the flow and the soul 
of a home needs to be, you know, we need to be ever changing in our lives and in our home. And by, you know, moving pieces of art or trying something different is a way to find that one, one piece might feel okay, but if you switch it out, the other piece would be just right. You know, it's, it's the willingness, this couple has the willingness to try something new and, and listen to that. And I think that that's how, that's how this loft really works is the client willing to try something that's suggested. Also, they have collected art over the years. And I, you know, more, you know, I don't want to say up and coming. I want to say friends, young artists, friends from college that are now, you know, um, you know, still friends and older and retiring type of thing. And by collecting that way, there is a, there is a piece of time and history and life and, and you care about those pieces. And it, it feels really good when you walk into that, that space because of that. And it's loved because of all the pieces that you see around. Yeah. Mm. It I makes wanna, me I want to press on a soft spot a little bit though, because oh. something you said was you would call it more of a gallery space than jam-packed. And I, you know, for 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 you and design, you view certain things certain ways. For me and words, I view things certain ways too. And I think it's interesting that you that you not only picked up on that, but sort of made made the distinction between the two. I, I kind of feel the there may be a negative connotation to jam packed, perhaps saying um, taking a maximalist view of something is is a different way to put it. But I I think jam packed really to me. And keep in mind. I'm not an artist, I'm not a designer, I'm not an architect, I'm a journalist and an observer. And I don't view jam-packed in the same negative sense that I think you do because, you know, as a as an artist, I'm I or you know, as a creative, I'm trying to I'm trying to put myself in in your shoes and viewing that word. I see it the other way around. I think that you have a client who tasked you to do something that is to take as much of what they love and to fit it into a smaller footprint. And when I view a gallery, I think of a gallery as something completely different. I think a gallery is meant to showcase pieces of art. I think a home that you didn't dapple this project with art. You put it everywhere you could find a space because that's what you were tasked to do. And in many space, many cases, as you mentioned, you know, you could take one away, replace it with something else, and it would not detract from the project. That's an art form. I'm looking at the kitchen and a top shelf, there's a piece there. I'm looking at the countertop. I'm looking at a series of three pieces there. I'm looking at the column, floor to ceiling. What I get from that is something very different, which is why you know I say jam-packed as a, as a positive, certainly not a negative. But here's the point. To me, the point is we have spent you know, three years life disjointed. And let's be honest about something. You know, you've been in it a while. I've been in it a while. There are what we would call purists who feel you have to follow these rules to have good design. You have, um, you have some who will say, oh, I would never do that in my home because dot, dot, dot. At the same time, home has become sacred again. And I feel like it lost 
that designation over time, because if you wanted to go somewhere to get recharged, all you had to do is go online, book a ticket, go to the airport, go somewhere. It, it's not until you lose things that you realize that you can't always, you know, you have to appreciate the things that you love and the things that you have and the things that you want to surround yourself with. And in this particular case, you were clearly tasked with putting as much of what somebody loves in their home. And because of that, you know, your, your ideas of how the home fits the client, has that changed for you over the course of the past three years? Does, has it changed you as a designer? Has it changed you as a creative? Do you think differently about the conversations you have with your clients so as to get to the point that you understand what they really want and really need for you to do? Hmm. When I started my business, my focus was to listen to what the client wanted and their needs and how they function in a space, how their family lives, what the goals are. And that's how I started my design process for the rooms and homes. I didn't start off with a specific style that I was going to deliver. You can see in my portfolio, a wide range of styles and something that's a core belief in me is as a designer, you understand, or I, I'll say I, I understand the different styles. I went to the New York School of Interior Design, you know, within studying art history and, and the periods and painting and, you know, all of the, all of the education foundation, the way I look at things to be able to listen to someone and give them what they're asking for was a key for me. And I think to your point, words, people can take words in a positive or negative way. And I try to be very mindful in the words that I say with clients because there are positive or negative connotations and someone's head just jumps to, you know, a flash or something when you use certain words. I've always been asked, well, what's your style from clients? And I say, no, no, you know, this is about, this is about your home. You know, let's, let's keep going. And I brush over it. And then I, I really try to get into the head of the client and what, you know, what's in front of me and what we're doing. And that skill of seeing depths of color and variations in color that, you know, you see in that Rocky mountain at home, the, the, the subtleties of the layers of different shades of neutrals. And I think that what has changed for me in the recent years is I'm not afraid to say I'm eclectic. I'm eclectic. <laughs> That's my style. Um and I love color and I want to be happy in my home. You know, the last few, you know, the last six years or so, you know, I want to walk into my house and smile and be cheerful. I have a six and nine-year-old, you know, my husband loves color. I just, I want to be, I want to be happy at my home when I walk in. And 
I've really, you know, I've leaned into that and I've, I'm, I'm willing to share that with others and be okay with the comments back on, well, you know, because, you know, a minimalist or someone that wants a very neutral palette, the word eclectic scare is scary. You know, it's a scary style. Um, so I, I, you know, I think I'm sensitive, sensitive to those words. And I think I'm designing more, you know, what makes you happy? What do you want to be around? What should we get rid of? What should we recover? What do you want to reuse from your family? You know, asking these questions that go deeper than just, here's, you know, this is my inspiration that I want my house to look like Nadia helped me get there. Um, and taking that time to really understand what brings, what brings the joy and the balance between the couple or the family and how they're using the space. So it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of things in the air that you're thinking of to then implement the design and, and start that creative process. Did I answer the question? I'm seeing a theme here, by the way. Did I answer the question? Did I run? I run off. You know, I. You I know what? Just, Seriously, I could just. Talk. Know, this is going to be like a ten-hour podcast. No, Jack. no. You know what's funny though? It, it, who? In all honesty, seriously, who cares if you answer the question? Like, I'm. I'm here. I'm here to learn more about you. You know, so my my questions don't matter if it if it takes us somewhere. Um, meaningful. And I think it, you know, each of these have, and it's really interesting. You talk about, um, eclectic. I, a friend of mine, designer, um, he and I would get in these arguments. Cause I, I, I love the word eclectic. I really do. And he hated it, hates it to this day. And he would say, it's not eclectic, it's collected. And I'm like, that is such bullshit. It's not that it's collected. It's what you, it's what you do with it. Like you, you, eclectic to me, you know, collected means it's all income, right? I see eclectic as a major contributor to that idea is in the edit, you know, eclectic is collecting all of these different things and different styles without a, without a necessarily a through line to any of them, Mm -hmm. but then it's the art form is where you go with that idea to make it instead of just some maximalist garage sale. Now it's a highly collected, yes, but still very eclectic due to its differentiation, but it all works together. Kind of like how you said, you know, you can take one away, put something in its place and it didn't detract from the, from the design or from the work. I love that. I think that's fantastic. I think that there's a level of bravery there in the work that, um, that makes it so special. You know, I think, um, being raised in a household that you were allowed to be objective about the things around you and architecture and art and artists and now putting words to that and and digging deeper for me over the last few years it it's as if i was being trained at a young age to be where i am today <laughs> you know? it's as if um you know th- there there's a reason i'm sitting here speaking to you about this and how it makes me feel discussing those relationships with the clients and the art and the space it, it you know it it really it hits me deep and um and that's what i've gotten out of the last few years is a, a me- even though it's a mental slowdown for myself 
you know, the world has not been slow per se in the, you know, in the fight or flight, you know, that we now have in a, in a certain way. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been asked to, you know, discuss my family and how that influenced me. And it's interesting to, to go back, you know, 20 years, you know, 18 years when I worked at the Met in American decorative, decorative arts and how that, you know, learning and hearing things and, and just being around it all sunk in and being around, you know, my parents and my grandmother and how they lived in the spaces and how they used furniture and the balancing. It's, it's all about the scale. It's about the balance of the pieces. And it's, it's amazing now to put words to it where before and in the beginning of my business, it was more of a feeling where I would say to a client, you know, this is going to work and this is this, and that's it. <laughs> and, and now I'm adding more of the why and the feeling. And I think that the last few years have given us that more, how do you feel, you know, asking someone how they feel, we're not used to doing, we're not used to asking people how they feel or, or kind of what they think and go deeper. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to be doing a, a lecture at a, a Tiffany exhibit in Florida at a garden and this, the, in February and I, they want me to speak on how Louis Tiffany in, inspired my interiors or how, how I think of that as inspiration. And by the way, I love that. And um, be, because you mentioned it, it's so funny, we're at the end of this thing and we're, we're going to have to circle back because that was your great grandfather. My uh, great, great grandfather was Louis Comfort Tiffany. Uh, which is, which is something we we've actually just kind of ran out of time to, to get into that. I, I would, I would love to explore more of that in the future. I definitely have to have you, you back on the show, certainly to, uh, to talk about that. Nadia, this was so much fun. I, I so appreciate the time today. This was great. Thank you so much. Design Hardware's newly remodeled showroom is where you will find a gallery style space with a thoughtful display of products purposefully positioned to allow unbridled exploration and discovery. High-end faucets, luxury tile, natural stone, wood floors, and bespoke hardware selections are presented in a holistic manner, strategically arranged to stimulate creativity and transition your vision from the conceptual stage to a fully realized space. Conveniently located, free parking available, stop by to find your inspiration, collect samples, get expert advice, and tackle everything on your shopping list all in one place. Visit them online at designhardware.com or in the real world, 6053 West 3rd Street in Los Angeles. Thank you, Nadia. I appreciate the time and love what you do. Thank you to my partners and sponsors, Thermosol, Moya Living, and Design Hardware. Your partnership is what makes this show possible, and your support for the design industry, it's amazing, and I appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time to subscribe, download, and listen to the show. If not already, please make sure you subscribe so you get fresh episodes the moment they're published. And remember why you do what you do and for whom you do it. Be well. And until next week, take today first. Mm-hmm.